good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Come on in and join us. Come on in and join us. This is um, Trinity Bible Church that you have found, and um, if this is not the place you thought you would be, just please stay and enjoy. Get some food and coffee, and this is where the Lord wants you this morning. And so uh, we say good morning to everybody and all of our friends who are live streaming in. Uh, who are joining us this morning, we say welcome to you also. We will have a time of worship through music in just a moment. We love to do that here at Trinity. But all that we do this morning, our desire is that it would be worshipful. Worshipful in that we have come to offer ourselves up to God. Amen? Because that's what worship is. You know that we truly have been created to worship God. He has created us so that we can offer ourselves back up to Him. And uh, that's the way it works. And so if we keep that mindset, then we can understand what our true purpose and meaning is. And so it is good and right to gather on the first day of the week and we get together. Whenever we get together, it is good. And we honor the Lord with our time, with um, our worship, with our praise of Him. But we do so on the first uh, day of the week in the morning, uh, sort of in tradition of the ancient church who did that in celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are quickly approaching Easter, aren't we? We're in that season, and so coming up very soon uh, will be our Resurrection Sunday service. That will include a special uh, presentation by the Trinity Kids, and so make sure that uh, you are here for that Sunday to enjoy that. Uh, but what I'd like to do now is, um, is have a call to worship going to read from Psalm 73, and it'll be the way that uh, we trust that the Lord will help us to, um, to surrender our hearts, to uh, just calm our minds, and to ready our spirit that we may uh, enjoy a time together of corporately worshiping Him. And um, it's good to, to hear from the Word of God and uh, to be our call into worship. Because Jesus taught when he interacted with the, the Samaritan woman at the well that there would be a time that was coming, and now is, Jesus said, that uh, worshipers, the true worshipers, will worship God in spirit and in truth. So we worship God in spirit because he is spirit, and in truth because he is not only truth, but he gives us the truth of his word. Amen? And so this is from Psalm 73. And I'm going to start about halfway through because in the psalm, the psalmist is complaining about the prosperity of the wicked. Did you ever do that? And just kind of, you're watching the news or you're kind of following along what's going on in the world and you're like, Father, God, how is it that these people that seem so far from you seem to be prospering uh, so much? And we realize that from a, an earthly sense, from a worldly sense, that may seem true. But in this psalm, the psalmist is struggling with this. But then he says, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed like a, a burdensome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. When we come into the sanctuary of God, truly meaning into his presence, wherever you may be, as we draw closer to the Lord, it changes our perspective on things, doesn't it? And so here's what he then says. 
He says, nevertheless, I am continually with you, and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. So whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. But for me it is good to be near to God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all of your works. Have you made the Lord God your strength and your portion forever? Let's stand. We'll pray. We'll enter into a time of worshiping God. For no matter what it is that we may lack on this side of heaven and this world, of those things that we may see that we desire that others, that others have, the Word of God reminds us the truth that God is our portion. And He always is enough. Amen? Father God, we thank You for the uh, reminder from Your Word, the power, powerful Word, that uh, You are our portion. So God, as we enter now into a time of worshiping You and uh, just lifting our voices together as one and joining our hearts in song. May you be blessed, Father God. May you be blessed as we have come into this place to offer up ourselves, as your word says, as living sacrifices. We desire to be holy and pleasing to you in, in our time of worship now, Father. So uh, receive this, accept it, Lord God, and uh, we know that you will bless us through it, but God, we offer this up to you now. And we do so in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Church, let's worship the Lord together.
Hallelujah. We're grateful. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you. Good morning in the name of the Lord. church if we can make our way back to our seats we could take the opportunity to just greet somebody that's awesome so good to see that and um, but just you know before we get started as we like to do we'll have an opportunity to just kind of get caught up on what's going on in the life of the church here at Trinity and uh, we have um we have a lot going on, and so hopefully you are on our email update list. And so um, email went out yesterday just marking a whole bunch of dates and upcoming events that you can add to your calendar. I just want to highlight a few of those. Remember, you can always go to our website, trinityallenwood.com, to check out all that's going on. But just to highlight a few things, we have um, uh, going on this morning, we have our Dig Deeper service and um, our Dig Deeper um, study happens at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. Remember, we moved that from Wednesday to Sunday morning. And so that is our Bible study that we get to have uh, every Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.15. So make sure you come and check that out. And next we also have next Sunday, as you've been hearing this announced, our missions team is, uh, is uh, hosting and promoting a prayer 
March, because it's happening at the end of the month of March. And so this is an opportunity to pray uh, with groups of people walking around the city center of Lakewood. And so after service next Sunday, anybody that wants to come, you don't have to register for this online. Just after service, we're going to go and meet uh, right in the center city. You'll get more details on Sunday where we're going to meet, but we'll drive over there and meet, and we're going to pray as a group for Lakewood and uh, just praying for that city. And then we'll break up into smaller groups and walk around and pray. And you never know who you might meet, and perhaps the Lord puts it on your heart to ask somebody that you're just walking past on the street if um, you can pray for them. You just say, hey, you know, we're from a local church and we're praying for your city. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And uh, you never know the conversations that God will strike up. And so we're just taking that opportunity. It's a very simple thing, but for many of you, it's way outside your comfort zone. And I would say it's exactly where you need to be. It's outside of your comfort zone. And that's, of course, where the Lord will often grow us, right, in those times of stretching. And uh, so please take that opportunity. That is next uh, Sunday. And then we also have coming up our egg hunt, and that is on April 2nd. It's 11 a.m., sponsored by Trinity Kids Ministry. And so uh, you do need to register for this. And so if you have kids or grandkids, or maybe you have some neighbors or friends you'd like to let them know about, just point them to our website. It gives them all the information, and they can sign up for that. And we take that opportunity for all the kids that are there to uh, explain to them in a fun but meaningful way uh, the, uh, the reason for Easter, the reason for celebrating uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of our faith, the Apostle Paul calls it. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our preaching is in vain. And really what he's saying is without the resurrection, we could, oh, should all just go home. And so, um, so that's why we should celebrate the resurrection of Christ every day as believers, amen? But we set aside this time and we'll take an opportunity to teach that to our kids in a, in a fun and, and relevant way to them. And so please make a note of that and you can register for that so we know how many people are coming. Uh, you can register for that on our website. Uh, we have Christ in the Passover, Seder. It's a full meal and presentation uh, coming up on Wednesday, April 13th, and that's with uh, the Schwartzes, who are missionaries, uh, and one of our missionaries' uh, partners that we support with Life and Messiah, and they will be um, doing that, and actually Scott Schwartz is joining us today, and so thank you, Scott, for being here and worshiping with us today, and so this is an opportunity, if you've never participated in that, it's not only fascinating, but it's deeply meaningful and gives us such wonderful and beautiful, uh, rich insight into, um, into how Christ is found in all the elements of the traditional Jewish Passover Seder meal. And so we will have a full meal together. It starts at 6.30 on, when, on that Wednesday, April 13th, 6.30, and there will be a full dinner that the church will provide for you, so you just have to, to show up. But we do want you to register online so we know how much food the, to provide. So please go to our website and register for that. It is free, but we want to, to get a good head count, and it'll be an amazing time, especially if you've never experienced it before. But even if you have, I guarantee you there'll be some new insights into that. And um, we always want to be able to see Christ in, um, in the Old Testament, actually part of what we're going to talk about today in our, our study of First Peter, and we're going to uh, be able to do that in a special way that Wednesday. So Wednesday, 
Um, April 13th, mark your calendar, 6.30 p.m. dinner provided, but there will also be the full presentation of the traditional Seder meal and explaining all the different elements. And so, please, that's a great opportunity to invite some family and friends as well who may be interested and have never experienced that. So, please register for that and come on out on that Wednesday. We also have an opportunity, uh, this is led by Cheryl Lovelace, one of her own here, and um, and she um, she has uh, um, this great ministry, a Christian yoga ministry, and we'll be doing that here. This is a women's only event, but on Thursday, March 31st, uh, she'll be uh, hosting that here, and all of the proceeds, basically it's donation uh, for that night, but all of the proceeds from the donation from the ladies that night will go to support the people that are struggling in Ukraine. That'll go through our missionaries, uh, Liz um, and Jim Baker. We heard from Liz last week, um, and if you weren't here, just go online and watch it. It was a powerful testimony and great uh, stories about what God is doing on the ground there in the lives of uh, believers, especially in Ukraine. But this is an event, uh, ladies, um, for you to, uh, to get involved with, and so you do have to sign up. You go to our website. It'll link to the registration page. Uh, and again, it's for donation uh, only. You can donate, but all of the proceeds from those donations will go to help people in Ukraine. All right, so ladies, get involved in that and pass the word. If you're interested, if you know people that are involved. And then uh, we have coming up on April 23rd, it's an all-day Saturday conference where we'll get to hear from three different teachers uh, that are coming in to teach um, on this idea of discipleship, because you know, I've been talking about that for a long time, and we have our our initiative, the Discipleship Pathway, that we're launching next month. And so uh, this is a, a great part of that. And so it'll be an all-day teaching. It's just a nominal fee of $10, but breakfast and lunch are included. It's from 9 to 4, and so I encourage you to mark that on your calendars. It'll be a great day of uh, hearing from, from scholars and experts and teachers talking about the intersection of discipleship and grace and what it means to be a disciple and what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we will dig into the scriptures together. And uh, so I want to encourage you to, to mark that on your calendars. The registration will be open soon. The link is in the email that was sent. It's also on our website. Again, it's just a small fee of $10, uh, but um, two meals will be included, including all the materials. And so make a note of that as well. And then finally, we are in our uh, series in First and Second Peter. Uh, but before we dig back into that, I did want to take the opportunity to, uh, to introduce you to, um, well, some of you might not know them, but they've been with us for so long, a long time, to, um, uh, to invite Tim and Marsha, his wife is here too, but Tim and Marsha Monahan, who are missionary partners with, with us, with World Venture. Sir, you can, I saw some people clapping, you know, that's right. Isn't that awesome? You didn't say one word yet, and they're already clapping for you. It's pretty amazing. That's the way we do it here. That's the way we do it at Trinity. So we turn this on for you. But he, of course, will um, you know, tell you all about what they're doing. Introduce, he'll introduce himself to those that might know him. But uh, we are blessed to have been supporters of you for so long. And, and uh, I know we've talked about this, but when I came here seven years ago, what a blessing it was to realize the church I came from was supporting the Monahans. And here we were, a church already supporting them. And so grateful to be able to continue that just personally. So thanks for being here, Tim, and your lovely wife, Marcia, and just fill us in on what God has put on your heart, All right? Okay, thank you. Yep, I am.
two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. I was already in uh, Naples, Italy. We went to Italy in uh, 1985 <clears throat> as church planters, but things weren't going so well. And I sat down and reflected upon my life, and I said, you know, I know I was born October 30th, 1950, so cards and gifts will be welcome. But uh, then I said, uh, I asked myself, why? And I came up with a mission statement. And I cry almost every time I say it, and I just started getting emotional. I said, I'm not going to get emotional this morning. But my mission statement sounded something like this. Um, I want to know God intimately, to know his word thoroughly, that I might transmit that knowledge and experience to disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Little did I know what God was going to do through us and with us and for us. Uh, we were in Naples, in, I call it nefarious Naples. And people here, oh, you, you were a missionary in Italy. Oh, that was so easy. Well, we lost three cars, and it wasn't like I'm thinking, let me see, where did I put that car today? Uh, I had guns in my back, uh, car chases. Uh, chasing and being chased, uh, so it was a tough place to live where we were. But the Lord, through us, started a church which rarely happens with missionaries. Missionaries go and just have such a hard time. God blessed us and uh, got a church going for us. Not only did he get it, get it going for us, but he allowed us to train leaders to take the church over as we passed the baton to Italian leadership. That may sound strange, but in America, you've got Bible schools and seminaries. We don't have those in Italy. We have a Bible school that is not even recognized by the state that uh, people can't go to because uh, you don't go from Naples to Rome and you don't leave your job for studying. So you have to train your own leaders. And we train pastors in different churches. And uh, one of our students started a church recently. Another one is pastoring a church. And we have leaders throughout Italy that we worked with. Danilo is now leading Il Faro, the church we started. So pray for Danilo. Going through COVID, you know what that's like. Uh, Italians are scared. They are having a hard time going back to church. We also started a, a ministry for human trafficking, which grew. It, goes, it went from our church to and extended throughout all of Italy right now. So God used us. In, the, in our mission statement that we want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Then I got a call from a person, and he gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. And he was singing, -na 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 so I said, this sounds pretty bad. It was December 23rd, 2015. You, you remember certain dates, and uh, my our vice president of the organization said somebody's going to give you a call and make you an offer and i said well what's it all about he said i can't tell you <clears throat> so on uh, i got a call in january 6th we went up to new york met with a guy the president of international project in new york and he said we're looking for missionaries with longevity and success on the field and your organization gave gave us your name and uh, he said would you consider you and marcia consider coming back to the states and i said no uh, and god said yes 
to mentor missionary appointees who have never been on the field yet. And we thought about it for about three days, prayed about it. You know, that's what you have to say. We prayed about it. Um, but <clears throat> the Lord put us in, uh, in New York in a program uh, working with young, young people, missionaries, because uh, God reminded me, your mission statement is to know me intimately and to know my word thoroughly, to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. And that's what we're doing. We're training people to work with UPGs. Do you know what a UPG is? Unreached people groups. And those people, we've got, uh, sent, we're sending missionaries out in the last uh, five years. We've sent out close to 100 missionaries, trained close to 100 missionaries to go to places that most people don't go. Uh, I got a text about two weeks ago. The person wrote, I've thought about you every day for the last 28 days. And I'm thinking, that can't be a good thing. You're thinking about me for the last. And uh, she wrote, uh, everything you said, ellipsis, dot, 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 was right. I'm thinking, finally, somebody understands everything I say is right. That's not exactly what she meant, but we train people to adapt to cultures and we teach them how to learn languages other than making disciples, evangelizing like you're doing on March 27th, going on the street, sharing a brief testimony, presenting the gospel. And she said, everything you said was right. And that was so satisfying that I realized I know when I was born and God is fulfilling the purpose for which he made me. Not only that, the new missionary saying, everything you said was right, I know what she meant. A missionary of 25 years wrote me recently and said, thank you so much for what you're doing. He's collaborating with us now. He said, I've learned so much from you in the past few months. I wish I knew this before I went out on the field. And I don't say that because I'm here, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that. I feel sorry for missionaries that, who go out with no preparation. So our program called Equip in New York is preparing missionaries to go out, learn the languages, learn the culture, learn how to evangelize discipleship and make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. But it doesn't end there. If you read my prayer letters, I talk about Napoli, Naples, uh, New York, and the nations. Yana Givoril Paruski, Seiches Gimnoga Pinimayo. Whoa, you're not supposed to do that in this church. I need an interpreter. Here we go. A few years ago, I didn't understand Russian, but now I understand something. Why? My son was, uh, I, I could have whacked him in the head. Um, he married a girl from Belarus, you know, and she got me in trouble today. <laughs> but she brought her parents over a, a few years ago, and I thought they were going to learn English, and they never learned English. And I said, how are they going to, how are they going to, who's going to witness to them? And I couldn't think of anything else. And I said, I'll learn, I'll learn some Russian. And uh, I'm learning some Russian, and I got a Russian teacher online. She lives in Russia. She's trying to get out right now. Um, but uh, she came to the Lord. And whoa. 
Somebody can come to the Lord by teaching Russian. Who would have thought of that? But God is using us to make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. She introduced me to Mary. Mary was in Odessa. She's from Belarus, left, left Odessa. Her cat was just killed in the bombing. She feels really badly. Pray for Mary. But uh, Mary is uh, an atheist, just like Leda was, my, my teacher. But she's interested or open to hearing me speak about the gospel. So I know when I was born, and I know why God made me, to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And in New York, we're trying to make disciples and uh, train people to go into the mission field. I also teach, uh, other than mentoring, Marsh and I mentor. I, I thought I was going to retire. They made me director of the program. I said no five times, no, no, no. And um, I also teach the four Bible classes that we have. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support over all these years. I lived on New Jersey Avenue. I never thought I'd be coming speaking in a church at, in Herbertsville. New for those that don't know, New Jersey Avenue, just about a mile and, mile and a half away. I was an unbeliever, atheist. I didn't think I'd ever be speaking in churches. God can see you come into life, but he gives you a purpose. He gave me mine to know him intimately, to know his word thoroughly, and to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. And uh, I just pray that you'll have your purpose fulfilled as he leads you and the church. And uh, we do thank you for your ministry with us in Naples, New York, and the nations. Thank you. Well, it's, uh, what a blessing it is for, um, for us to be able to, to hear from, from the Monahans and be reminded of the importance of longevity. I appreciate that because um, here they are, they were uh, recognized for their um, faithfulness and longevity on the mission field and all they were doing. And, and uh, I appreciate that. You wanted to retire and God said no, right? Let's, let's remember that as well, right? And um, God doesn't respect uh, and honor age the way we might, right? I'm always reminded that God called Moses when he was 80. So let's remember that, you know. And uh, not saying like you're 80, I'm just saying, you know, that's a longevity, right? But, uh, but also something else came to mind. And uh, first of all, I love the, uh, the life mission statement. And that's so important. You know, do you have a, a life mission statement, you know, you know the day you were born, but do you know why you were born? Thank you for that wonderful word. Um, and it reminds me too that, you know, we, we all desire when we get to heaven to hear God say, well done, good and successful servant, or well done, good and faithful servant. That is how God measures success, is by faithfulness. So thank you for reminding us of that today. And, and when we're done here today, after I share briefly from the, the Word of God, um, after uh, our service, make sure you take an opportunity just briefly to, to, to say welcome and to say a personal good morning to Tim and to Marcia and thank them for the years of service. Let them know you continue to pray and, and uh, support them. And um, uh, we're glad that you're back and 
and uh, doing what you're doing and training because that really what it is all about. And, um, you know, you've heard me talk so much about discipleship and it is uh, part of our core values here that we learn, we grow, and we serve. Learning the truth, growing in faith, and serving others, that is how we pursue discipleship. Remember our theme verse for this year, right, being that um, Jesus said that if you want to be my disciple, right, that you are to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He was calling us to discipleship, to be a follower, right? And that does take sacrifice, and that's hard, but it is the call on the life of every believer. And um, it's what we want to be about, disciples making disciples. Um, and, you know, as we go through Peter, and we'll be looking still in First Peter today, so it'll be up on the screen in a moment, but you can turn in your own Bibles to the First Peter chapter 1, and we're just looking at verses 10 through 12. So 10, 11, and 12 in the, the letter of First Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 will be our passage for this morning. As we continue our journey through First and Second Peter, learning a little bit about the life of the Apostle Peter, but also seeing the words that the Holy Spirit moved him to write, realizing that there is this great theme in these books that we are to follow Jesus in a hostile world. And what does it look like to be following Jesus in a hostile world? Because Peter knew, the disciples knew, and Peter was writing these letters to Christians, to believers who wanted to be faithful believers, but they were in hostile territory, and they were feeling discouraged and disillusioned, and, and, and Peter had heard about it, and so he writes these letters to encourage them. So even though they are struggling and facing great persecution of all kinds, especially because of their faith, he tells them that they can have hope. It's how he opens his letter that there is to be hope even in the midst, or especially, let's say, in the midst of difficulty and persecution. You know, before um, uh, service, a few of us get together and we pray, and we pray that, that the Lord would change lives, that he would transform our hearts, and that he would have his way with us and, you know, uh, my wife Claudia prayed this morning, and she opened her prayer, and, and she said, God, we are thankful people. And it struck me in that opening part of her prayer. I thought to myself in that moment, am I a thankful person? Because honestly, I haven't felt very thankful to the Lord recently. And we all experience that, don't we? And you can relate to that. But here's the question for this morning. Are we thankful people. And Peter is going to lay out for us one simple reason that we should be thankful. But the question on the table here then is, are we thankful? And what are we ultimately thankful for? How do we live our lives? Do we lead from places of um, despair, from places of fear and worry or are we thankful? You know, we sang this song, Another in a Fire, earlier today, and there's that line in there that says that they'll count it joy in every battle, right? Because that's where you will be. Ever think of it that way? We tend to think that when we're in those times of difficulty, when we're in the midst of the battle, God is somewhere else leaving us alone to fight our battle. But the, the, the truth of that lyric reminds us that we can count it joy even in the midst 
of difficulty because that's where God is. He's in the midst of those difficulties. He's working in our lives when it feels like and seems like God has left us. It's just the opposite. He is still with us and draws even closer and draws ourselves, draw ourselves to him. And so in 1 Peter, we're going to see how Peter is reminding the believers that he's writing to and to us today that we have something incredible to be thankful for. But are we thankful? And if you're like me, you've been watching the news perhaps a lot more than you used to because of the war that's going on over in Ukraine. And we, uh, again, we're blessed to, to hear some about that, um, personal stories from Liz last week. But we watch the news and we read about what's going on. But in the midst of all of that, have you not been hearing amazing stories about what God is doing in people's lives, whether they're believers or not yet believers, recognizing that even in the midst of war and people's homes being destroyed, children being taken from them, husbands and wives, loved ones, yet there are still people that we hear on the news, Ukrainians that somehow are showing that they are thankful for something. They're either thankful for God or thankful that, that somehow God saved a loved one. He may have allowed another one to perish, but has saved one. They are clinging to hope, and they are able to be thankful. And the more that we see that, the more I believe, at least I am reminded, that I have so much to be thankful for. But am I thankful, and am I living that way? And so here's what... Peter says in these few verses, again, this is 1 Peter, and it's, um, it's chapter 1, and it's verses 10 to 12. Here is what he says. Concerning this salvation, because he was just talking previously about salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent, I got it written here, see, I wrote it down for a reason, and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. It's kind of like one long sentence that he gives here. And there's so much packed in. Just five things that I want to glean from this. Just five brief points I want to make sure that we don't miss from this important passage. So first, what does he say concerning this salvation. See, in the first nine verses, if you remember, Peter is opening this letter telling them all that they can be thankful for. And he's talking about specifically our salvation. Church, when's the last time you thanked the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation? I mean, and do we live as thankful people simply because not our circumstances but because of the position we now enjoy before God in Christ because of the salvation offered to us 
in Christ and in Christ alone. So he says concerning this salvation, and then he wants to make some points about it. So he's talking about the salvation that we have in Christ. He had been talking about the living hope of the new birth. Remember that? The living hope and the new birth. What a, a wonderful phrase. We have a living hope. It is alive because Christ is alive and our hope is in him. In the new birth. Tim reminded us, right? There's two important dates. The day we're born, the day we, we find out why. And Peter says, you have a new birth in Jesus Christ. And so the question is, are you thankful? He's writing to Christians who are being persecuted, and he says, remember, be thankful. I'm sure they didn't feel very thankful at the moment. But he says, remember, be thankful because of your salvation. But see, he had said that there was a hope because of the future inheritance, and then there's also a beautiful help and a joy, a hope and a joy now, because our faith is being guarded Right? So there's a future aspect, there's a present aspect of our joy in this salvation, the hope, the present joy. But he also says there's a past element to it, and that's for these verses this morning. See, we always want to read the Scripture in context, right? So Peter is making this case, and he says, concerning this salvation, he goes, I already told you and, and reminded you in the opening words of the letter that, that there is a future inheritance for you, so be hopeful because of the future. But he says you can even have joy now in the midst of suffering because God is guarding you right now in your faith. We all need that, don't we? Whether in the midst, we're in the midst of um, fleeing from a real war or we are having a spiritual warfare that's going on in our hearts and minds, whatever it is that we may be struggling with at any given moment, there is a, a future hope, there is a present joy, but now Peter says there's something about the past and your salvation that you should be reminded of that will also encourage you. And that's our message for today. So he says concerning this salvation, it is about the salvation that we have in Christ, in Christ alone. But he is also now making the case, and we don't want to mess, uh, miss this, as he goes on, that it is not only from our, um, our faith in Christ, but our faith in the Word of God. Because we know in the opening uh, words of the Gospel of John, who is the living Word? Jesus Christ himself. But today, of course, we have the written Word. God has revealed himself to us, and that's why we want to know this Word thoroughly, Right? and spend our lives getting to know God because he has said, here I am, get to know me. And he has inspired the writers a thousand years ago, thousands of years ago, and written it down, and we have this ancient book which is always relevant in any time period. And we have the very words of God, his very heart, revealing his character and his nature to us. And Peter is saying, remember, we can take great joy, hope for the future, a joy now, but also knowing in the past there were prophets who spoke forth the word of God but didn't even know all the details about how it was going to play out. So Peter then says this. He says, concerning the salvation, the prophets 
who prophesied about that grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully. You see, what he's basically saying, he's saying, remember the prophets? Because most of these Christians that he was writing to, they were Jewish converts. There were many Gentiles there too, but there were a lot of Jewish converts that we would call them Messianic uh, Jews, right? And what it is is they would know the Old Testament. They would know the Scriptures. And so Peter is saying, look, all of the prophets you reveal, that you revere, they were preaching about the coming Messiah, but they knew they weren't going to get to see him. They were preaching about forgiveness and salvation in the Messiah, and they longed to be a part of it. The prophets who prophesied about the grace, we are now in this age of grace, right? Not under the law, but under grace. It says they were prophesying about it. They knew that it would be in the future for a future generation. They searched and inquired. They wanted to know what was this truth that God was telling them. See, we forget, but the prophets weren't all-knowing. God had inspired them and given them his word to preach. So their word that they were speaking was the word of God, but they didn't understand all the ramifications of what it meant when the Messiah would come. So Peter is writing them saying, do you understand the privilege that you have? of now being under no longer the law, but the grace of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, for that alone, you can be thankful no matter what your circumstances. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. He beat me to it. Thank you. And so Peter's making the case, just how about your salvation? Church, you ever just think to God and just say, God, what, what do I have to be thankful for? Look at what's going on and I just sense that like you're far from me, God, and one thing after another. If it's not one thing, it's another. And Peter is saying, I understand. Peter would understand. He's saying, how about your salvation? When I read earlier from Psalm 73, the psalmist said that God is his portion. Is God your portion? He is enough. And the salvation he offers. See, Peter is saying, even the prophets, he's like, there's a future and there's a present element that you can be thankful for in your salvation. But remember, even the past, the prophets were preaching it, but didn't even know what exactly it would look like, but yet they longed for it. Look at what he says next. He says, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating. See, the Holy Spirit carried along the writers of the Word of God, but also the prophets, of course, he carried them along, and God, through the Spirit, gave the prophets the words to preach to the people of Israel. And they, um, it says that, that they searched to know the Spirit of Christ in them and what he was indicating. It reminds us the importance of standing on the truth of the Word of God. Because the prophets had to rely on the very Word of God that God was giving them. Are we relying on the truth, the foundation of the very Word of God. When all else around us seems to be falling apart and in chaos, and we, we can often in life be confused and overwhelmed no matter what the situation, do you not just stop and think, remember, thank you God for my salvation and the Word of God, because the Word of God never changes, the Word of God never fails. It is always true, it is always reliable. So we have the Word of God that does not change, and we can go to it 
whenever we want, we can open its pages and we can see the very heart of God. That never changes. But see, Peter's saying even the prophets, they longed to know about it, to know all these details. They knew at the very least that what they were preaching and proclaiming about the Messiah was for a future generation. Well, you know what? We are part of that generation. Even though it's been 2,000 years, we get the great privilege of knowing Christ through his word, and then personally when we believe in him, the salvation of our sins, believe in him and him alone, we get to know Jesus Christ. See, faith, they realize, is not just based on the mere writings of men, but it was inspired, it was the very word of God Church, we have full access to the very Word of God in our Bibles. You have a Bible with you, you have it on your phone, you have probably multiple copies at home. Do we open it and read it and realize the treasure that we have? And the prophet said, you know what? We don't even know what all this means. We would love to be recipients of the gospel of grace and the Messiah, but yet they prophesied and spoke the truth. Two more quick things. He also is saying to them that the prophets realized that it wasn't for themselves, but it was for you. That's what Peter says. See, Peter is trying to encourage these struggling disciples of Christ, these these Christians who were facing persecution. He's saying, do you realize all those prophets that you revere and you read, they knew that it was for a future generation, and that is you. So be encouraged. Be encouraged because of the time in which you live. Let us be thankful to live in the times in which we live. Now that could seem like an odd statement, right? I mean, how how many of you are actually praying for the rapture? Praying that the Lord Jesus come back, right? And we can pray for that, but until then we are still on mission And we are on the mission of Christ to continue to make disciples who make disciples. And God has clearly given us his word. And do you remember what Jesus was telling his disciples? As he spent three and a half years with them, and towards the end of that time, he had to prepare them for his departure. He would encourage them. He would encourage them in saying, I will come back. But until then, then in Matthew 28, he gives them that great commission. He goes, I'm leaving. I will come back for you. So in the meantime, this is what I want you to do. Now, they thought it was going to be you know, pretty soon. It's been more than 2,000 years. That's in God's timing. But yet the call is still the same for us. Go into all the world. Make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, right? That is our call, to be disciples who are then making disciples. And even the prophets didn't realize all the details, but they knew that there would be joy amidst the grace of the gospel of the Messiah who was to come. (laughs) And also, let's not miss this. In the example of Christ, we knew there was suffering, that Jesus Christ suffered. In a few weeks, yes, we talk about Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, but two days before that, we have what's called, we call it Good Friday. We have a service here. Good Friday, why? It's to remember the sacrifice of Christ, the death of Jesus Christ. Because in order to get to Sunday, you have to go through Friday. 
But see what Peter is encouraging the readers and saying, this is currently a time of suffering, but for the believer, the wonderful truth is that suffering is always followed by glory because Jesus suffered, but his suffering led to his glory. The same is true for believers. We may suffer in this life. We may experience seasons of tribulation and suffering, but yet it will ultimately be followed by glory. We look forward to that day that Christ returns for us. We may not see much of that, those rewards, the side of heaven. We may not see much of that glory, of that, those rewards, of those blessings, but yet we are to understand that one day suffering will lead to glory. It did for Christ, it will for us as his followers. Are you with me? And so that can help us to have the right perspective in the midst of difficulties. Saying yes, for right now it is momentary, but it is nothing compared to those future blessings and glory. Because Peter has said, look to the future. That's where our hope is, our, our inheritance. You can have joy now because God, through faith, your faith, is guarding that inheritance in you and that salvation, and no one can snatch that away from you. But even realize, Peter says, we can be thankful because the prophets of old preached about it. They wanted to be where you are now. Can you believe it? And these people are reading it saying, what? We're in the midst of being persecuted and the prophets wanted this? Yes, they wanted to know the Messiah personally the way that we can. Then finally, we end with this. He says, announced to you through those who preached the good news, that's the gospel of salvation in Christ, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which even angels long to look. So Peter then makes that final plea to them. And it says, not only the prophets of old longed to enjoy the grace that came with the coming Messiah, but even the angels were curious and wanted to know. Even the angels in heaven wanted to know about that coming Messiah. Does the scripture not say that even when one comes to Christ, what do the angels do? They rejoice. So let us have that right perspective, church. As Peter is encouraging us this morning, even in the midst of difficulties, whatever it looks like for you, different seasons of our lives, whether that's you right now or not, remember, we can be thankful because we have a future inheritance that gives us hope. We can have a present joy because God is guarding us through our faith in him. We can also remember that even the prophets and the angels longed to know about this gospel of good news of grace that would come with the coming Messiah. If you are here this morning and you don't yet know Jesus, day be that day. Because the Bible tells us over and over again that the way to salvation is through Christ and Him alone. You're told in Ephesians that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of our own works that no one can boast, see? That salvation is a gift from God through Jesus Christ. So how do you receive a gift? Do you have to pay for it? Do you have to earn it or work for it? No, a gift is offered to you and you simply reach out 
and receive it. Salvation is a gift that God presents to us, his creation, his children, through Jesus Christ. He says, will you receive it? That's what we mean when we use the word believe or trust or faith. That over and over again, the scriptures tell us about salvation from sin in Jesus Christ. Our position before our maker is that we are separated, but God has provided a way to be reconciled and reconnected to our maker, and that is only through Jesus Christ. And How do we receive that salvation? By believing. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. What happens when we believe? What does that mean? When we believe, we're not only accepting the truth of who Jesus is, he is is God himself, but that we accept also not only that he is who he says he is, but that he did what he said he was going to do. He said he would go and have to die on a cross, the suffering servant, but that on the third day he would rise again and come back to life and defeat death. We believe he did that. Stop and think about that, church. We believe in a man who walked this earth, who died a physical death, and came back to life physically. Believe that? That is the cornerstone of our faith. And over and over, Scripture says, if you want salvation, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. We are believing that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he was going to do. And at that moment, Scripture says, teaches us that great joy that the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of us, that we can live out our days, that journey of following Jesus Christ as one of his disciples. Do you choose to do that today? Church, would you stand with me as I close us in prayer? Because Peter gives us an important word this morning, that even the prophets and the angels longed to know what we know. Isn't that amazing? Even the prophets and the angels longed to see the Messiah. He may not be walking here amongst us, but today, personally, you can know the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We know him by believing. And once we believe and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of our personal sin and believe that he did that for us, we can rejoice because we have his word the rest of our lives, we can enjoy that journey of discovering why he has put us here. He's given us a great mission, church. Let us continue in following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, living out this wonderful hope of the future and the joy of the present, understanding the nature of the gospel Jesus Christ, that even the prophets and the angels long to see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful word that you have for us this morning. God, your word is alive and active, and your, Lord, your word speaks to us. So God, continue to use these words that we heard this morning from First Peter, Lord, to encourage us this week, to challenge us, Lord, and even when we needed to convict us. God, that we may continue to grow closer to you and to know Jesus more intimately. Father God, you know each of us individually here. You know the paths we we are on. You know where our hearts and minds are right now. God, as your word says, would you search us and know us? But Lord, give us the strength and the courage, Lord, to hear what you have to tell us. 
and to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and do all that he moves us to do. Thank you once again, God, for Jesus Christ above all. May we continue to to represent his name well as individuals and here as a church. And God, now, through your spirit, go before us, prepare the way. Give us those divine appointments, Lord God, to share this good news, this good news, the grace of Jesus Christ, Lord God. Thank you that we get to know him. And we thank you in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. We praise the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb who stays. 
amazing grace. This is He's our rescue.